Connor, we're going to talk about the Yukon Huskies on this episode, and you are already shot out of a cannon. Once I once I told you this is what this episode is about, just spill some feelings, big guy. Like, how are you feeling right now, knowing that it's the Yukon episode? So listen. We won five men's basketball titles before it was cool. I've said it repeatedly. I don't talk to new money. They're not on my level. (laughs) Basketball on the men's side ended in 1987. I don't know. They haven't played an NCAA tournament after then. It was sad, but they just decided it was done. It's really sad. I mean, UConn never got a crack at it on the men's side, really. So it's a real bummer, but it is what it is. Um. Well, we mostly talked about football on this episode. Which that's is a, a shock. Ch- that's a choice on my mm-hmm. part. Um, and I did learn, it's not in the episode, but I did learn after we finished recording from one of our guests, that there's something called the Ram Napping Trophy. Are you familiar with this? I'm not. The only one I was familiar with, of course, was the Civil Conflict that 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 comes up as well but look i'm not going to i'm not here to tell you how to do your job but there is a it's not in active use anymore because yukon basically decided like we're good we're, we're mm-hmm. just going to keep this and keep it yep. in our, our archives but there is a trophy called the ram napping as in kidnapping but a ram mm. uh trophy that used to go with the Yukon Rhode Island rivalry game. Ah, Rhode Island. And this is all a trophy that commemorates Yukon kidnapping a ram in the 30s, the Rhode Island mascot, like mm-hmm. their, their their live mascot in the 30s. Before they lost a game, I think it was 190. <laughs> like, <laughs> we still decided to make to make it they still stole their mascot after they <laughs> lost they got shut out I'm like you know what? i'm taking your ram so so there was this trophy that went back and forth um and when yukon moved up to fbs they basically decided like well we don't need to do this anymore ironically though in 2000 when they when they made that move do you know who yukon lost to that first year fordham I'm going to guess a Ram. The answer is Rhode Island. (laughs) (laughs) But, but at that point they decided not to give them the trophy for whatever reason. So Rhode Island seemed too on the nose there. I just, Um, if if there's, if there's a way you want to consider putting the word Ram napping on a, a shirt or a sweatshirt or something, I know that there's a particular brand of new England weirdo who will purchase it. No, they're great though. I uh, always hat tip to the uh, basketball centric fan bases online that pay attention to their football team, especially UConn. I mean, they've been through it as as have I and many other basketball fan bases. But they still they still show up every Saturday. They still get very 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 upset at their team every Saturday, and I respect that. Even though we have many blood feuds online, it I respect is- it. It is a it is an interesting existence, and so we get into that uh, quite yes. a bit with our guests. Um, I obviously am quite partial to UConn, not just because I have like very fond memories of Jake Voskel and Khalid Elamine as a child, which is a normal <laughs> thing to say, of course, uh, yeah. But like, I think I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Sad Husky, like mm, yes. possibly, possibly the most 
important logo between of all time I, between you and i like has yes. done so sad husky has done so much for us oh yukon in general has done so much for me yukon was the first big brand that uh we launched during big new saturday back mm-hmm. in 2020 and sad husky of course is a cornerstone of that collection but there are some incredible versions of jonathan husky yep. in the cartoon version yep. Um, the more stoic looking one looking off into the distance. I mean, one of the best mascot histories. I think we actually wrote a history of Jonathan Husky for Homefield a couple of years ago um, during our Homefield history segment. They, it it's uh, really top tier aesthetic to work with. Their team at UConn to work with too. Their licensing team is so awesome uh, to work with. So even though there's the uh, basketball online blood feud, I actually have many uh, great friends in the UConn online fan base as well as at the actual school. Um, I I appreciate that UConn with the Husky logo has gone in like very different interpretive directions. Other schools, like I'll use Florida for an example, Albert and the Gator, like they can iterate upon it, but it kind of stays within a certain sandbox of sorts. But you've got sad Husky. You've got what I like to call Farrah Fawcett Husky, which has like (laughs) this, like, big blown out like mane yes. and hair like it's just as long as it is recognizably a husky dog there's just sort of like yeah man all 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 dogs are welcome at Yukon there's revolutionary war yes, husky yes. holding a musket yes. and wearing a tri the tricorner hat <laughs> yeah there's, there's so many there's so many choices the husky slide was one of my favorite traditions i learned about in all sports again basketball podcast here where <laughs> the math the mascot just would run full court in the Jonathan Husky suit and just lay out, like just jump. Sure. Like and, a slip and slide, but on a basketball court. And I actually made, yes, a slip and slide on a basketball court is a great way. They, they ended the tradition because I think a sternum was broken of some sort, maybe a <laughs> collarbone. But then I was DMing with the venerable no escalators during March Madness this year. And he said, I've made contact with the person in the Husky suit. If they do the Husky slide during the national championship, will you give them a free Husky slide shirt? And I said, absolutely. So then there's grainy footage from the national championship celebration of Jonathan Husky reviving the Husky slide <laughs> after 20 years. And we gave them a $36 t-shirt as payment. I mean, what more could you ask for? Um, speaking of t-shirts, what fun things do you all have in store for the audience this week? or yes. the Coming weeks. We are kicking off the homecoming series, which is two weeks. It was initially supposed to be four weeks and then um, shipping delays. We love operations talk here on the podcast, (laughs) but shipping delays condensed our uh, product that we had arriving from four weeks to two weeks. So homecoming series, what we're doing, we're launching unique product, higher end product that you can wear during the fall. And as you've probably seen of a few hints already, if you're online, that means bomber jackets. So this week on Friday, October 20th, we are dropping 17 bomber jackets. Goodness. Yes, yes. They're incredible. We, I have them here in the office. I look at them every day. Eight in what we have deemed the Heartland collection. That includes another Michigan jacket because, of course, Ohio State some Wisconsin, a few other schools in that area of the country. 
And we also have uh, nine schools in what we've called the Gold Coast. So, you know, you've got your some of your California schools like UCLA, USC in there. We have an Arizona jacket that has the cactus landscape on the Ooh, back. That's it's fun. unbelievable. That's fun. And then we have my favorite football team, actually, the Washington Huskies. We have a jacket for them uh, among a few other schools. So I've always loved the Huskies and their quarterback and offensive coordinator. They've always been my favorite football team. So that's how we're opening up uh, the homecoming collection. There's another uh, drop the following week in the end of October. And we have some more fun stuff to come in early November, too. So. Uh, Very excited. Pro tip to parents out there, especially of young children, highly recommend Bomber Jacket because that is how you effectively cover up the shirt you're wearing that you didn't realize has some sort of child-created stain on it. Look Mm, at that. Now now your shirt is cleaned as far as the world knows. That's the lie that you can get away with thanks to the Bomber Jacket. Yes, I think that's worth paying $160 (laughs) plus shipping and handling for. So. All right. Um, well, I mean, there's no other way to put it. I am a brilliant business mind, which is why I have decided that at this point, as we wrap up season, as we get close to the end of season one of this project, the football team that we needed to talk to the fans of was, in fact, the Yukon Huskies. So here are here are these beautiful New Englanders to tell you more about their experience. I am no escalators on, on Twitter. I'm a Yukon alum, a third generation Yukon alum. My grandfather and my father went to Yukon. I, uh, class of 2009, spent some time on uh, SB Nation for a bit, running the the Yukon site there, and have been just on Twitter for the past way too long, and we'll see how long to come. I'm Whitney McIntosh. Uh, my connection to Yukon is that I went there. Uh, have the diploma and everything. They they gave it to me. Uh, <laughs> I even have a paving stone. They can never deny that I went there. It's right it's near the bar. So they were right on that placement. Um, and uh, my mom also went there. And my dad went to a college close by, but he uh, went to UConn a lot for beverage purposes. Um, so the tradition is strong. My dad's from Connecticut. I grew up loving UConn. So that's kind of, you know, Always has been, always will be. Uh, and uh, yeah, things to plug. Um, I was recently on an episode of Blank Check. It's behind their Patreon paywall, but you should pay them money because it's good and fun. Um, and Reddit really liked my episode, which is the first time I have ever said Reddit liked something. So <laughs> uh, that's never going to happen again. I'm uh, Brian Jackson. I'm a lifelong Yukon Huskies fan. I attended games. Uh, all sorts of athletic events growing up. Um, I went to school there between 2002 and 2006. And currently, I'm a person that tweets too much about UConn athletics. Sometimes I can get me in some trouble, and sometimes I do some silly stunts online. You can follow me at bpenfieldj, and my I'm commonly known as Penfield on UConn Twitter. I've talked to now fans of 10 other schools for this show and UConn is the only one that is publicly debated as to whether it should even have a football program like this is this is the thing people feel free to comment about I'm sure I've done it at certain points yeah where do UConn fans fall on the spectrum of 
football is important and we should keep it or we should move on from this and this is not a sport we should be putting money and effort into? Well, I think the majority of fans are behind the, like, the idea of having a football team, um, specifically a FBS team, right? I don't think there's a lot of desire to drop down to FCS, and I think there's absolutely zero desire to not have a football team at all. Okay. Um, and that's a, kind of a thing that gets thrown out there. I've seen people saying, should UConn football even exist, which I think is a ridiculous question. There's a lot of schools that have football teams that aren't competing for, you know, in F- FBS, aren't competing for national championships or anything like that. And no one has ever suggested that those schools like uh, Georgetown or whatever should should completely disband the football program, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think there's probably a handful of people that, wouldn't be upset if we dropped down to FCS, but I think the majority of people are fully behind having a, a, you know, a top tier football program. It's tough. I mean, it's nice of you to lump us in with um, other football programs. That's nice (laughs) that you have included us um, as a football program Um, Mm -hmm. because they are, and they try and they do well uh, in their limited goals, but it's tricky because it is such a basketball school. Yeah that for some reason has insisted that it would love to be a football school. And that's the part that's weird. If they just kind of didn't care that much about the football and the goals were kind of just like, you know, we'll be a division down and we'll just hang out there or we'll just whatever and play easy teams and try to be 500 every year and well, whatever. But they rent a stadium from the city of Hartford. You have to get on a bus if you don't have a car and go 30 minutes outside of campus uh, to watch a not very good football team. They have a huge, you know, donor funded football, beautiful, like workout play. They tried to be the, you know, they got their workout building. They have the big fancy building that is they have the facilities this is is all happening seventh auxiliary campus at alabama you know it's like it's like not that big Um, but at uconn it's like oh wow that's oh you did it that's like beautiful it's like oh my god you got the there's like turf inside and there's like actual that's like amazing um and uh there's it's actually really cool there's like natural sunlight architecture i don't know i got a tour of it before it opened it was sick um uh, which actually uh, UConn field hockey was the first team to ever practice in there. So that's mm. how important football is uh, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. university. But so it's weird because they're basically cosplaying as a D1 football program in a lot of ways, but not even intensely enough for everyone to be like, we're with you. We love this. We love your commitment to this. It's kind of this weird half-assed like, no, we're going to do it. And it's fun when they make a bowl game and you feel good for the students. And I wouldn't want football players to not have the program because they, you know, there's an off-campus bar that they think they are probably still keeping in business, like that the football players go to alone. So that's like good for the economy, I guess. But Mm -hmm. it's also a little bit like if football disappeared, campus would not be different at all. (laughs) Like I'm sure the soccer team could use that workout facility. Like it's a little, (laughs) it's a little tricky in that way where it's, Unlike a lot of other schools, if football was just like, then it would be fine. Uh, so super divided. And there are going to be people who are like, 
irritated that I'm even talking about football because I think there's a perception that I hate uh, the fact that we have a football team, which isn't true. I, I love football. I love the football team. I used to be a season ticket holder despite not living in Connecticut and being barely able to go to the games. Uh, when I was in school were, were some of the best years. I've gotten to see them you know, win at Notre Dame, get beaten in a relatively competitive game against Michigan. Like there, there's been like some great uh, memories there, but the fan base itself, um, I think growing out of like, we kind of did it backwards. So other schools that are like bad at football have been bad at football and good at basketball for a long time in a way where they were both like, you know, Indiana has been in the big 10 forever. And so yeah, yeah. even if it wasn't the focus, uh, it was there. UConn has had a football team for over 125 years, um, but it was just very low level. They did not, when it was like 73 or something, when there was the big break and people had to decide if they were going to go 1A or 1AA, they, they stayed in 1AA. Uh, and then the basketball team got really good. Uh, you can look back and the, there's an old athletic director, uh, Luke Perkins, who went to Kansas after UConn. And you can like read interviews with him in 1990, sort of like calling out the fact that football might break away. And so UConn should emphasize this and they did. But as a result, you sort of had this like, is it taking away from what was then becoming a very successful basketball program or two basketball programs? And you wound up with a fan base that I think has had, and I don't know if other schools are like this. There's a lot of, UConn fans historically who were women's basketball fans. There's a lot who were men's basketball fans. Uh, they didn't particularly mix in part because I think the coaches kind of hated each other. <laughs> the, the, the teams have come much closer together and that's great. And then there were like, there are football fans and there are, there are like some people who are like football ultras who, if you talk to them and none of the three people on, on this podcast are, are that person, but would tell you that, Actually, the basketball program is what's holding back UConn from um, dominating the country in football. And it's, uh, I certainly think UConn can be better than it's been in the last decade, uh, but I'm not sure that I would go that far. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little unfair. What does the argument look like that says basketball is the albatross around the football neck? And if only we reassigned our priorities and our resources, we could be the next what? Like, what is what does that end goal even look like? What does that path even look like? So I think like the easiest way to illustrate is like back when we were in the AAC, um, you would compare, it's like, okay, why can we not hang with South Florida in like some of their better years? Or like, mm -hmm. why is Tulane suddenly catching up to us? And you would say, well, look what South Florida and Tulane still get in the same tiny TV contract we do. They are not paying their two basketball coaches that combined, like whatever it is, 6 million at the time, now right. more. Right. Uh, they're not doing all the other sorts of investments that come with that. And I think the answer from the UConn side is, would have been, you know, we had, we had the ability to do that. Like, we have historically spent a lot more on athletics than people outside of the, the power five. Um, but, but that was part of it. It was like, okay, so we don't spend a lot on assistant coaches. Uh, the culture as a result, like we had some, some time to do it, but it, it's, it's just like slipped. And then there was the resource constraints 
Um, and then it was then obviously like the big thing is you go to the Big East. Now you're not in a conference. You don't have a bowl tie-in in the same way. And you're making a conscious decision that everybody sees that this is really a basketball school. And that is, I'm sure, gets held against them in, in recruiting if you are going against even Temple, who seems to have like abandoned their basketball program as a point of emphasis. Um, they, they can say, you know, and I think untrue, not fair, uh, fantastic facilities. There is a lot of support. We do have more resources than other schools at below the P5 level. Uh, but I don't think it's a hard narrative to sell from the outside if you want to do that. And so that that's a big part of it. And I do think like there are there was a lot of momentum at the start of this year coming off of last year. Uh, the, we had a few disastrous hires in a row. And I think that like you can get there. I think it was really starting to get there. And then the, the start of the season didn't go great. And it's uh, pushing the boulder a little bit back up the hill again. One of the things that I think reflects the what you call the half-assedness is the decision now, like four years ago, to leave the American and go in back to the Big East for basketball and go this independent football route. Like which that, is, that, which thank fucking God. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay. So, so that's my first question is like, it seems like UConn fans as a whole unreservedly support that decision. Was that the case at the time as well? I would say it's less the case than it was at the time. And those people, okay. are, and those people are weirdos. Uh, it should be, people replaying this in their mind being like, no, we should have stayed in the American conference, which sounds like a Ponzi scheme that someone <laughs> made up in M Monaco on like a four hours notice. It's like, it's like an episode of white collar. They're like you're going to join the American conference. You're going to be a D one football team. That's like what that sounds like. Uh, like Matt Bomer is trying to sell you on a football <laughs> conference. Um, it's, it's the American athletic conference. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's mm -hmm. a big deal. Everyone was very excited because as you're saying, like, they did it because of football. There's all the realignment. They did it because of football. They wanted the football program to have like a real like standard of conference play and money. Um, and then that failed because <laughs> it's not a real conference. And the basketball team played nobodies yeah. and didn't have good strength of schedule and didn't have games on television. And we were on like the third, F we're like FS4, whatever, you know, and it was just awful. And getting out of that was very smart and just playing an independent football schedule is very smart. And now there's all these murmurings that they're going to try to get back into another big conference and this realignment and the people who are rooting for that. I just want to know what, like, you, did you just have your mind wiped? Like it wasn't fun. No one enjoyed it. Football is not successful enough. Football is just successful enough. And UConn is just prominent enough as a brand and as a sporting brand that conferences are like, cool. Let's sure you could get us we, some we, like we should have we should have that phone call we should have yeah. that conversation and then yeah. everyone feels kind of special but no one takes a step back to be like yeah but like we did this once it didn't make us any more money it didn't help us it actually hurt a bunch of our other sports because all of our good sports are playing like you know I'm not not teams it's, that we it's like, like you USF is not a team that UConn needs to be playing on the regular. In, in basketball. Absolutely not. You know, like, it's like not, that's not a real, you know, we're just like in, they're playing like Tulane, you know, like it's, they're all nice and everything, but it's not. So 
it's this circle of like, oh, they're making us feel special though. And it's like, right, but what happened? It's just like, it's a weird, it's like the weird dating thing of the conferences. Um, So they should not do that. And if football dies on the vine, then football dies on the vine. Like at some point, like, you know, it's the, the brand is basketball and you can only undermine the brand so many times before basketball just gets jerked around and Mm -hmm. like fails. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a weird one. It's a weird one, but there's definitely people being like, we could be part of a conference again. And those people need to just breathe, just breathe. There are a few fairly vocal folks on Twitter specifically that were upset with the decision, I think, Mm -hmm. Um, because it, you know, they felt that, in some ways, the football program was being sacrificed uh, in order to get UConn basketball back in the Big East. And I understand that opinion. I don't necessarily agree with it. <laughs> um, but I would say that's probably the minority of people. I think most fans were happy with the decision to go back to the Big East. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of people that are interested in UConn basketball and UConn football to them is an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And for those people, it felt like truly it was coming back home, back to where UConn belongs. Um, so I would say most people are, are happy with the current situation of being in the Big East um, and playing football independent. Um, I think the athletic director was able to put together a very, you know, pretty good schedules. We're playing, you know, teams from the Big Ten the SEC, but then most importantly, we're playing some local rivals like BC, Syracuse. Um, so in that aspect, I think that the football schedule itself is much more appealing to the to the common fan than playing in the American Athletic Conference. Part of the reason that people think I hate the football program is for a while I said, you know, drop football and go back to the Big East. Uh, and if that was what it would have taken, I would have said, fine, I'll make the sacrifice to at least get that thing back because we were so good at, at the basketball and that really fell away. Um, but then I think it's like all credit to the athletic department and the athletic director. The independence, I think people look at from the outside and they're like, what are you doing? But if you look at the way the schedule's set up now, we're regularly playing Army and UMass, which are like close schools that you yep. could see yourself developing a rivalry with. Uh, we get, we're now like the ACC's favorite non-conference. Like we get a lot of home, we have a home and home with Pitt. We have home and homes with Syracuse. And Had BC. a home and home with NC State. NC State, uh, Maryland, I think might be in there mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, Virginia has been in there. And so that's like, we're able to make a mix now where it's like, hey, I know these schools, uh, if we're making the games competitive and we we clip a few of them, you know, beating BC is awesome. Um, even if they're bad, because we hate BC, it's great. <laughs> uh, it like that that gives something back where it's like at least like I recognize like I have met people that went to see right, them. and 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 there are sort of like it pulls on the old strings in some ways of like yeah. oh this is this feels it's obviously not Big East football because that doesn't exist anymore, but like it's a reasonable facsimile for UConn. Yeah, and it, it might exist again. Uh, soon the way the ACC is trying to make it, it feels like uh, the world is really missing UConn Pitt on a Thursday night. So I want to go back to the time, really the time that you were in school and sort of like that surrounding area. 
where this is, I think, maybe foreign to some people who are newer to college football, but there was a stretch where UConn football wasn't just sustainable, at least from a like competitive standpoint, not a finances is a different question, but like was good. Like had four straight seasons with at least eight wins would pop in and out of the AP poll was going to bowl games. Sometimes winning bowl games to your point, beat Notre Dame, like could beat name teams could contend. And, and what was the mood around the football program? Like during those years, how did fans feel about like, seeing this thing that seemed to be on an upward trajectory. Like it, it was a lot of fun and it felt like we were there and could compete. Like if you look at our time in the big East back when like big East football was a thing, mm-hmm. we either like 500 or have winning records against Syracuse and Louisville and Pitt. Like, and that's totally now one of the things that I think people like about where the football program is now is we're back able to play those schools, which I think sort of get seen as like the regional peers. And we, you know, we lost to Syracuse kind of handily last year, but we beat BC. And like that sort of seems like at the level of investment we're at, that it, it's a reasonable ask to get there and play like close games against those teams. And when we were there and winning, it was, it was awesome. It was like 2007 was like a freak year for everybody, but we got up to like 13th in the country. You know, we went to a Fiesta bowl. We technically won the Big East conference twice, though. One of them was because of the the freak pit upset of West Virginia. Um, And so they were like, we rushed the field after beating a like number two ranked South Florida. Um, There was, like really fun things that went on uh, and it the, like the stadium was full. And then when the big East imploded and everybody but us left, we still stayed with, you know, the South Florida of the world, but it and like Cincinnati. But I think for those schools, it maybe didn't feel like a demotion in the way that it did for us. Uh, and I think that that, that brought people down and then losing essentially moving into a league that was like Texas and and Florida schools. Like, I don't know. I've never met in real life, somebody who went to South Florida or Memphis. Um, I've talked to a lot of them online. They see the South Florida people seem nice. The Memphis people, you know, who knows? Um, (laughs) But I think that was, that was really hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think took out a lot of uh, energy at a time when we also made, Back to back uh, to back bad coaching decisions, and it really, really brought it down. Yeah, so those were my years. <laughs> so that was I was on campus for the Randy Randy Etzel uh, first go around, and when he left, which was a whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, his daughter was in like some classes with me, and that was a whole thing. And everyone felt so bad because everyone was just kind of like, "Okay, hi, are you? Hi." Good morning. Like, what is she going to say? Like, that's not, you know, that was bad. I felt bad for her, but um, she's very nice. Um, and that was, it was fun. Like I, you know, we, I remember we, when we made the Fiesta Bowl, like that was, it's, everyone was like, we made the Fiesta Bowl? People who don't know what bowl games are were like, oh, that's like a, that's, we know what that is. Like, that's like a bowl. And then like that's mm-hmm. during basketball season and people were so excited. And I remember we went on a ski trip and we like, it was like the, night we arrived and we're like oh let's like do a bunch of get a bunch of drinks and chips and we'll do a party at the ski lodge for the fiesta bowl and then we got 
shellacked. Like just at, for those people who don't remember you come being the Fiesta Bowl, good for you. If you have that brain, I that's not good for you in your life. Um, this is like 11 years ago. Um, so don't, that's not a detail you need if you didn't know that. Um, but uh, I believe they did not score an offensive point. I believe is the statistic. I think they scored like three, like an interception and then a something. I don't know. It was like, it was not good. It was like, I don't know. It was so bad anyway. And so we were just sitting there. We we're like, Oh, that's it though. Like this is like the height that we could reach is the honor of getting absolutely steamrolled on national television three days before new year's by a team that like is the Don Draper, I don't think about you at all. Gift. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think Oklahoma was was particularly honored to be playing in this game. Well, no, that was a whole other thing, and also that like we were the Fiesta Bowl, but we should have been the. It should have been like opposite because then UConn didn't travel to the Fiesta Bowl because it was very far away. It's like, well, you didn't give us the freaking Orange Bowl. Like that's so silly. Like why would you do that? Like, like, um, and yeah, I, if you had told me that Oklahoma didn't know they were playing UConn until like two hours before the game. And their coaches were just like, don't worry about it. You don't even have to watch the game. Like, just show up, get your gift bags. We're sorry that we didn't make the other bowls. Like, don't, you know, that you're not in the Rose Bowl or whatever they would have wanted to be in um, that year. I, I would believe it. Like, that's, you know, that, but anyway, so to your question, like, that was the peak, right? That was like, oh my God, the Fiesta Bowl. Oh my God, we have a successful coach. Oh my God, we have like good players that are nationally known. Um, and maybe some future players that go on to work for, the Trump administration, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> and uh, in retrospect, uh, that makes sense that that was the peak because you can only compete so much. You can only compete as a, as a program who's only been D1 for so long. You can't even compete with Notre Dame. You can't, you don't have the juice. You don't have the donors and the donors are going to give to basketball. Um, it was a little lucky not to take away from like people's efforts and everything, but I think the in the moment the um, amount of luck and weird confluence that put them on that pedestal was maybe not oh uh, as obvious because people were just so excited. I mean, people were really excited when I started school. Um, it was when we had first started the transition to Division One A, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so my freshman year, they still played the games on campus in Memorial Stadium, which is maybe fits 5,000 people. And there's, <laughs> there's a stadium seating on one side and the other side, which is facing Gamble Pavilion, had um, metal bleachers. Yeah. Right. So that was the situation we were in. Um, and like the idea that UConn was going to be in the top you know, in Division One A for football was wild at the time. Um, so I was there the final game at Memorial Stadium. Um, some students tried to rip the goalpost down. <laughs> I think we'd be Toledo, um, so it was very exciting. Um, and then the next year, we we joined Division One A as like a transition member. I, I forget what they called right. it at the time, but right. you know, we opened Rensselaer Field playing Indiana. Uh, who, you know, for most people, beating Indiana is probably like, okay, we beat Indiana in football. But for us, that was exciting. We won 34 to 10. Um, people were on board with UConn football. And 
you know, that, that run after that, I think we had a, a season, maybe even the first season we went nine and three, but we weren't eligible for a bowl game. Um, you know, and there were some ups and downs, but it was incredibly fun. We, we had a whole group of, um, I had a group of friends who we would drive down from Boston and tailgate for the games. And, you know, it was, it was an incredibly fun time. Um, and, you know, I think the atmosphere around the football team was just as good as it was around the basketball teams at that time. And that was a time when the basketball teams were also winning championships. So what was like the vision of the future at that point? Like, you know, this, this maybe peaks with UConn making the Fiesta Bowl. Right. And like, did people have a sense of like, this is what the next five to 10 years of the football program is going to look like? Well, I think at that time, I don't know that any of us predicted that the Big East would just, or Big East football would cease to exist, right? right? So it seemed like a very sustainable thing. It was a conference that we could compete in. I mean, we were we were beating the best teams in the league. You know, we, we won games against Louisville, Rutgers, West Virginia, Pitt. I think at one point we had beat Syracuse nine times in a row. So UConn football was not a joke at that time. Right. And I think the idea that we could have, you know, consistently have winning seasons with some very good seasons mixed in where we went to, you know, the bowl game, like the big bowl games, um, Fiesta Bowl, for example, right? Um, that wasn't a wild thing to think about. I, I, I'm not sure how many people thought that, like, UConn could – compete for a national championship. Sure. But like winning the big East and going to one of those bowl games at that time, I don't think many people, you know, would want more than that. And quite frankly, for a team that had just joined division one, a that, that was quite the accomplishment. I think. Oh, we'll, we'll be able to recruit. We'll be able to get good coaches. This is it. Like, as you said, like, this is, this is the upswing. Like we did it. We came to D one. We got this huge stadium. Like, Look at it, it's it's a proof of concept, right? Like we put the money in, we got it, da da da. Um, and then Edsel left <laughs> uh, for a long and successful career in various places <laughs> UConn, um, for Maryland. Um, and which people don't really think like UConn and Maryland have a rivalry, but there was that weird. There was this weird. It's like only my four years, or like only the couple years. I have a ton of friends that went and worked at Maryland and that was like a rivalry between our athletic departments. We had like a couple people who were part of their like SIDs office. Like there was all this stuff. And so it's like this, there was this weird little pocket of Yukon versus Maryland, which is not real. Um, but only for people from age like 28 to 33, they're like, Oh, sure. I remember you were poaching all our people or we got some Maryland people back or like we played you like once in women's basketball and it was like really intense. And now people are like, we don't talk, like, what are you talking about? It's like, no, you don't remember. <laughs> Randy Edsel went to Maryland and it was this whole thing. He said it, he said it was his dream job. He said he took a separate flight home from the bowl game, a detail I will never forget the worst. And that's, but that's like you football, right? That's what, to what you're saying. Like that's, no one should have been surprised that the mm-hmm. best coach in the history of the team or the most prominent coach in the history of the team took them to that pinnacle and then was like, eh, like, are we really going to go further than this? Like he, he was right. It wasn't the right move and he certainly didn't work out for him, but he was also right about the state of the program and the possibilities 
of the what the, what the realistic expectations looked like. Yeah, and then you uh, didn't tell your team you were leaving and took a separate flight home, um, which was cool and good and definitely really professional. Um, after he made all the guys who were going pro stand up in the locker room and tell the team. That was good. Um, <laughs> I was like, anyway, I don't have any news. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Like, um, but but so that it's like if your coach that just took you to a huge bowl game is like, no, oh, okay, well this was fun, everyone, but time to like close the tab. That should be telling. And instead, they were like, a Notre Dame guy. We're gonna get the assistant coach, and we're gonna go. And like he was a lunatic so that's in a really fun way to be clear like if our football team's going to be bad let's like make national news for being absolutely <laughs> bananas with a bucket hat on like let's go the road since then has obviously been much rockier some coaching hires that haven't worked out some i think uh unmemorable years in the american athletic conference and i'm curious what do UConn fans want the football program to be now in 2023? I think it's it's building this back up. And I think last year when, when Mauro got them to a bowl game, it was, mm-hmm. it was really exciting. And I think, you know, this year's off to a, a rough start. The schedule lightens up and, you know, hopefully it turns out looking respectable and they've been playing better the last few weeks. You know, I think realistically it's looking at trying to get to a few more bowl games, just like, get out of the bottom 10 stories, show people like, oh yeah, you'll actually get to play in a bowl if you if you go and play at UConn. And it's not, it's not a joke. I always look and I'm like, why can't, for the amount UConn puts in, which is way more than like Western Michigan is like the one I always pull, like why can't we get Western Michigan level results where it's like people don't notice you to an extent, like, okay, they play football, it's fine. Uh, I think that would be great. And then like, my long-term goal, honestly, some people would be like compete for national championships. I don't know the logistics of college football. That like that's never going to happen. I think at least not in a sustainable way. Uh, I look at you know Indiana had that like nine-win Indiana goal thing. That to me is like I would love nine-win UConn is like <laughs> is the excellent season, and we had like the several eight-win seasons, and we did you know the two biggest championships. Like that to me seems like. If it's really firing, that should be like a place where we're, we're very happy to be. And that I think is going to take more than, you know, one year with some, some good wins last year to, to get to that consistently. But I think they're at least moving in that direction. The schedule set up in a way to facilitate that. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see where it goes. And having a coach that does, seems like he doesn't hate football <laughs> is, is a improvement. Are you saying you didn't enjoy the Paul Pascaloni experience? So he seemed very checked out. Bob Bianca was totally insane. And uh, I just think second marriages to the same guy don't work out that well. It's, I mean, it's been nice for Mac Brown, but there's also a lot that happened in between. Yeah. Mac Brown going back to UNC. This feels a little bit more like Bobby Petrino going back to Louisville, frankly. Yeah. So I think it's tricky. I think it's people are still hanging on to that time and going, well, we can get back there again. If we got there once, we have even more funding where there's even more opportunities. There's more bowl games. There's all this stuff. And it's like, but what, what does that get you? What is that worth? If you can't do that every year, if it's only once every seven years, like what are you hanging on to? 
Um, Mm -hmm. So it's this really weird thing, but like they've been recruiting better and then they're good. And you're just like, okay, but like, what are we even rooting for? Because there's also this thing in UConn's fans in the back of your mind. We're like, well, I can root for this football team to be like nice and like enjoy a Thursday night at a bar or whatever. But like, what's the outcome here? Like nine wins, you know, like what the, what's the maximum excitement? The basketball team is we win a national championship every like freaking leap year. The yeah, and 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 for on the basketball side, it's like most years, it's like oh, the tournament feels like a given, and from there, it's sort of like who knows, right? And football, it's like it, again, even to me, it's like I went to I went to the bar for like the first game, like UConn Alumni Association did a happy hour, it was really mm-hmm. fun, and I like left at halftime because I had to go take the dog out of a crate or whatever, you know, and uh, I was like, well they're also going to lose this game and that's okay. And I had a good time. And like, I'll probably not think about this football team for a couple of weeks now and, or I'll watch them in the background or something. There's no, there's no ingrained, like we watch the football game. We text during the football game. We check in on how they're doing. Like, you know, there's, there's kind of no discourse in a way other than like, Oh, it would be nice if they won. Like there's no, there's no like fraughtness even of like, Oh, they're really dragging this program down. It's like who kind of who cares and people care in a nice way, but there's no like, basketball like people were gonna riot in the AAC people Mm. were gonna riot about coaching and it was gonna be like a real um you know Land's End was gonna sell out of sweater vests and and, and flannel vests and the fleeces uh it was gonna be like matching matching all over the place um but football is just like okay (laughs) you know doesn't affect anyone's lives in any way whereas if the basketball Mm -hmm. team is bad people are in a bad mood for like five months you know, and that's just not the same. Are are UConn fans happy with having that as the football team as sort of like, as kind of like background noise, as sort of like, this is a thing that keeps us occupied in the fall until basketball starts. And we're just sort of like happy, happy to have it, but don't have major expectations in either direction. Like, is that, is that an existence that UConn fans are writ large? I think it depends with? on how much it's affecting other things. If it's really, okay. if it's not, if, if, if the conference discussion is not there, if the fun, if the funding doesn't affect, which it doesn't really, but like if the funding isn't affecting things, if, um, you know, there's always discourse around that we rent our stadium from the city of Hartford again. And it's like at an old airstrip. So you park, um, like, 700 feet away and then you have to walk down like an airstrip to get to the stadium there's not like (laughs) there's only so much parking in like the circle around the stadium so it's like it's like this and then there's just like a whole airstrip and then you just which is really good for slowly finishing a drink um as security ushers you towards the door um so like good tactics park far away you're fine um you'll finish like two beers on your way there but (laughs) it's just like this weird situation where it's like okay like why like is it worth it to spend that money if they don't like they have nowhere to play so that you have to spend that money. But like, as long as that stuff kind of stays away from everything else from basketball, from, you know, student costs and things like that, I think it's fine. Yeah. It's like, there's no reason we shouldn't have a football program. You know, a school should have a football program. That's nice. And people have fun at the games and okay. Um, but I think when it starts edging into like, conference realignment or and such um 
then it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. that's not why we're UConn fans. That's not what we came here for. That's we should never be prioritizing football at this point. Um, but because it's D1 football, there's that people in charge impulse to be like, but you always prioritize football. What are you talking about? That's we've been told that everyone else prioritizes prioritizes football, you know? Um, so I think it's that type of thing where it's like, it's fine as long as it's its own bubble, its own thing. Um, and if they have a good year, great. And that's fine. And mm-hmm. if not, like I don't, it doesn't change my life at all. My hope now is that I just want this team to not be considered a joke, right? I, w- I want people to stop saying things like, should UConn have a football team? Mm-hmm. I would prefer that we just didn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, you know, I, I think right now, the reality that we're facing today is that we are an independent in football. We don't necessarily have any prospects for joining another conference. I don't know what the future holds for that, but just winning games and having fun is all that I would ask for. Right. There was a good stretch during, you know, the Pasqualonian Diaco more so in the Diaco's years that, you know, interest in the football program really tanked. Yeah. And then they brought Randy Etzel in and I think there was some hope that like our glory days would return. And when that didn't happen, it was, the lowest point quite honestly um and i'll admit i didn't go to a lot of football games during that time and it's been nice now coming back to go to those games especially playing like regional rivalries against syracuse and bc um so just the ability to go to a game tailgate have fun see your friends um and then enjoy a fun football game that that's all we're looking for for a lot of us, but there is a group of people that they want more. Right. Mm -hmm. So do you think that's realistic or, or what, what is, what would more require at this point? If, if it is a realistic goal, I think the way that college football is set up, the only way to get to that next level would probably be to join a legitimate conference. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just, don't know <laughs> what uh, the likelihood of getting invited to the football playoffs would be without being part of a conference. Right. Um, now, I, if we were in a conference that we were competitive in, then I think making like the football playoffs once every blue moon, I, I have no hope yeah, realistic right, there, right? Right. right. right? But, I mean, we won the Big East in the mm-hmm. past. It's possible that we could be in a conference and um, it could happen again, right? But I think, uh, yeah, I think the reality is if, if UConn football wants to go to the next level, they, they have to join a conference. So I think the decision to go independent and leave the American was sort of a repudiation of the path that most – major athletic departments with an FBS football program take, which is sort of like you always have to be, you either have to keep your spot in a high level conference, or you should be always climbing towards one. And UConn's decision to sort of like leave the American in advance of like, you know, some of the bigger programs in the American leaving for the big 12, you know, like this was, this was, this was clearly a decision they made rather than was forced upon them. And at this point, is there any part 
of being a Yukon fan where you look around and see the um the contortioning that other schools are doing to, you know, like SMU saying, We'll we'll go play in the ACC for no money. You don't have to give us any media share. Or Stanford and Cal saying we will be in we we're in California and we'll play in the Atlantic Coast Conference just right. so we can like have this. Is there some part of the Yukon fan base that sort of sees these other paths and takes them as like a cautionary tale that they don't want to embrace and that they don't like they're like this is actively bad and this would act this would be this this hasn't worked for so many other programs and we don't want to make the same mistake that other people are making. Yes, a hundred percent. Like, you know, in some ways I view it as a badge of honor that we're not participating in a lot of the ridiculousness that is happening right now. Yeah. Um, because like you said, California schools and the ACC SMU, like that doesn't make any sense to me. Having USC and UCLA in the big 10 does in Oregon and Washington. Now, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. We've gone through that experience of being in a conference without any natural rivalries. And it was not fun. Right. I don't think I don't think any UConn fan truly enjoyed the experience of being in the AAC. There's some people that liked the football experience better than today. Right. But if any other conference had asked us to join, they would have done it immediately. There was no desire to stay in that conference. There's Um, nothing special about being an AAC member for UConn. Right. Now, I know that's different if you're joining the Big Ten or something like that. Right. But, um, you know, I, if you're not winning, you have lost what makes this experience exciting and fun. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we'll see how those programs fare in those conferences. Um, and if you look at the other teams that have done this, I don't think it's gone well for a lot of them. Right. There, the teams that have moved from like one power conference to another, I don't think they've fared very well in general um, in football yeah, I, or I, basketball. There's I, some. I don't look at Nebraska and <laughs> say like, oh, they're, those right. are the people who are having the best time. No, I can't imagine going through that, right? Um, I mean, I guess I can because we we went through it with our basketball program. Yeah. Um, so I understand what they are going through. But um, yeah, it's not fun. And um so, yeah, we look at teams like or schools like Syracuse, um, Boston College, Pitt, maybe to a lesser extent, but they've gone, they've sacrificed what made their universities special, in my opinion, and, you know, what makes co- college athletics special in general. They've sacrificed that, and what have they gained out of it? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're making more money for TV. But like, is the fan experience any better? Are they winning? No, I don't. So I think a lot of us are very happy to be in the Big East competing, winning on a national level um, and not chasing this craziness that's going on everywhere else. So, yeah. It was, I think, torn, but in a different way than before because it was like there's not a bad option like the big east is great the big east is home i would prefer the big east to going to the big 12 
all things equal, but I could understand it. I could mm-hmm. get like the money's a real thing when you're going to recruits and you're saying like, you're in a real big boy football conference now, like that changes immediately. Like the fact that we're regularly losing to like Syracuse the last few times we've played them. I feel like if we were in the ACC or the big 12, the recruiting jump, like the facilities are there. They built, it's now like 12, 13 years old, but they have a beautiful football practice facility. They like, they put real money into the program. I think it's just, when you have to explain so much to people on the outside that you are really committed to it, it just like hampers you because you have to have that conversation before you even get to like why this can be awesome and and what it's like when there's 40,000 people in that stadium. Um, And at this point, if there is a move, whether it's the big 12, whether it's the ACC, does the bas- like does making basketball fans feel fine about whatever is going to happen does that is that the necessary prerequisite like do you have to get do you have to get the buy-in of people who are there for men's and or women's college basketball before you can say yes we're moving forward with whatever conference it happens to be i i think you have it now because they made the move to go back to the the big east and people saw the priority there so it feels like it's like a protected asset and then they mm-hmm. just won the championship last year it seems like the coach is going to be around for a while it was <clears throat> you know when when we got when the big east schools left because that's technically what happened you know jim calhoun was like wrapping up the career kevin ollie came in and he was going to be the successor and it was great and he won a national championship quickly and then it just like fell off a cliff and it was like oh we might never get back anywhere again. And I think now we're in a much more self-assured position of, of what things might look like next. If it's not working out for the schools where that is their only priority and only mm-hmm. money-making sport or, or largely money-making sport, and if it's not working out for them, what makes you think that you will be able to crack the conference realignment and and football prominence puzzle? Like There are a hundred something other teams playing the same game and you are not better than them. And I think that's like kind of the flabbergastness of when they try to shuffle things around and try to get back in the conversation where it's like, it's not 10 teams and you're one of them. It's 15 times that. And you're like the 130th most important possibility. And if teams like their old AAC compatriots and people who are being pushed at, like if Stanford can't play this game and can't figure out a way to be one of the cool kids, like, why are you trying so hard? I think that's the thing. It's like, what, like, like for your own, I just want to walk into like the boardroom and be like, for your own sanity, why are you trying so hard? It's just not like, again, it, they are, like you're saying, like they are kind of hurt in contrast to basketball because not other, not many other schools have, a huge basketball program and also a D one football program that is like attempting to do anything. Of sure. Note. Um, I guess like Duke and UNC would be similarities in which they are not like huge, huge, huge football players like year in and year out and like making the orange bowl. Like, I guess those would be 
pretty similar. Syracuse, pretty similar, also trying to play the conference realignment game. Like, I, I, I feel like I have to throw Indiana in this pile, if only for our sponsor. <laughs> like, that's that's certainly a school that like wants to be in the football conversation, but basketball is still the thing. Is it? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no. I'll be nice to Indiana. <laughs> um, we're talking about basketball schools, Ryan. No. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but yes, but those types of schools where it's like, if Duke, like the blue bloodiest blue blood that has had football, like if they're not really talked about, if they're not really winning, you know, if they're only, if they're not losing like one to two games a year and making these huge bowl games, like, why do you care so much? Like you should be so excited that you have this huge moneymaker, this huge brand, this huge successful program that you also like brought back from the dead like we thought that was we thought it was over and now we're like a true blue i mean we've always been a true blue blood people need to um uh i'm glad jim nance on his way out was like call them a blue blood it's like the only nice thing he's ever done for us uh he's like i've lived in connecticut for 20 years call them a blue blood um but it's like why like why are you not content with that in a little bit like Mm -hmm. you have really good olympic sports otherwise you have all these things and it makes it more astonishing where you're just like again, look at all these schools that are trying to, you know, trying to crack this and what makes you think you're smarter or better or more important than the huge schools that are also getting shoved to the side and their whole athletic programs are getting torn apart. Like you actually, they were actually kind of lucky in that they tried to do it earlier than some other people and were able to get out while there was still time to be just like in the big East and back in safety. And like the big East is, kind of safe now and no one's really trying to mess yep. with that too much like why are you like oh well time to try try and try, try, try. <laughs> and like we've gotten bailed out like three times in conference realignment now you know whether it was the original big east kind of stabilizing whether it was before the aac before it was the aac after like there's like four three or four times where they have kind of you know been able to pull a rabbit out of a hat on not taking this whole thing down and it just seems so silly um to not treat it as a secondary sport. Like it, it would right. be fine, you know, um, right. like soccer, like baseball teams that make the tournaments, you know, come close to like a super regional or a, a national uh, stage, um, you know. Feel but don't have nearly the financial requirements that running a D1 football team does. Sure. But as far as like an outlook, as far as an aspiration, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, can we knock down the budget like a little? Can we knock down recruiting just like a little and probably be about the same place? Like the people, that's the other thing with recruiting. It's like the people that want to come to UConn, you're going to get them anyway. The people that kind of don't, you're probably not going to get them anyway. There's not really like a thing to talk someone into when they're recruiting for football. So you could probably recruit at like 80% of what you're doing and get generally the same players that you're going to get anyway. Cause Connecticut football is like a tough sell. It's a weird place to live. Um, it's all this stuff. So it's like, just, just do that. Just make it another revenue sport that kind of makes some money and gets turnout. Soccer gets huge turnout. Baseball gets decent turnout. Like, you know, it's not like students don't go. Um, and just like, kind of be, be happy. Like what, like what, mm-hmm. like, just be happy about it. It's so frustrating. <laughs> what is your personal high moment with UConn football? Well, I think it would be the win over West Virginia. Well, okay. I don't know. There's a couple. Okay. Beating Notre Dame is special. And that Beating was a Notre Dame year, is pretty special. Right? Especially for UConn football. Mm-hmm. 
But, um, you know, that was a tough year, 2009. Um, Jasper Howard, a member of the football team, um, on after the homecoming game, he unfortunately got in a bad situation and was murdered on campus um, at a party. And I think, you know, the, the university really rallied behind the football program that season and um, especially in his memory. And, you know, it was a tough go after that. They, they lost four of the next five games, I think, after he passed. And to then go to Notre Dame and win that game, that I can't imagine many, many people thought that we would be capable of doing that. And I know that Notre Dame wasn't, you know, at the height of their powers or anything like that, but that was really special. And I think it helped people heal from that experience too, mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. So I've had some like fun times at games, you know, rushing the field after West Virginia, beating West Virginia. And obviously the like win over USF that got us into the Fiesta Bowl. But I guess beating Notre Dame is probably the, takes that. So. Uh, so the Notre Dame game always comes up like one and zero against Notre Dame, um, which is like, just like a fun, weird thing to have. That was also, that was a tough year. Uh, Jasper Howard, uh, who was a star cornerback on the team, was was murdered in the middle of that season. Then the team had like four heartbreaking, like one possession losses in a row and wrapped up by going and beating Notre Dame. So that's always like a super special memory. In 2007, uh, they had three games in a row, I think against ranked teams that was like one of the first times the Rutgers was really good. There was like a good Louisville team and the South Florida team that were all at home back to back and they, they won all three. And so that's the other one. And that was the middle of my time. Uh, so those are the high points. And then there's the, like the first three quarters of the Fiesta Bowl. Um, got a little out of hand after that. <laughs> Bob Diaco creating a fake rivalry that the other school didn't really ever acknowledge and whose trophy is now missing um, in like the most interesting uh, missing item mystery since like Hoffa for us. Like we're just like, where is it? Who has it? People, there's people who know when it was like last seen. Like there's people who are like, it was in the tunnel at 1.53 PM. And then it was gone. Like that's probably, I mean, again, as far as a program that, I mean, there's been fun, some fun wins and everything, but as far as a program that, again, the aspirations are weird. It's probably the weirder stuff that that stands out to me. Um, I mean, that's that's like such a good summation of UConn's existence in the American Athletic Conference. We made a trophy. Was like it, the civil the civil conflict trophy? <laughs> and Ford was like, oh, okay, like. Yeah, we'll take it this time, I guess. And then, like, they, we had to like remind them to bring it to the game. Like, <laughs> like bring the trophy. And they're like, what? Whoa, what? Tro- oh, the trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll grab it. And then there was like a different. There was like a remade one. I don't know. So yeah, that's a pretty good summation where everyone was like, and still is like civil conflict. Remember that? Like, just gonna be telling our kids about how our weird football coach was like, I will make a rivalry whole cloth in this terrible conference. I mean, you said earlier, if if UConn's not going to be good, I'd like them to be, like, comically amusing. Yeah. 
And if if that's not it, I don't know what is. Yeah. Oh, I also think. I mean, we haven't really mentioned uh, the current the current coach uh, Mora, um, who my mom was like, "Isn't he dead?" And I was like, "No, the other, <laughs> not that the one, other not one." That one. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, not the one you grew up with, <laughs> mm-hmm. the son, the other one." Um, he currently lives in. Um, our, well, we just got a new president, so I don't know if this will change. But our older president did not live in the president's house. There was a house that okay. the university president can live in that is like generally on campus, which I don't know why yep. you'd want that because it's right on the path to a lot of drinking. Um, and so you hear just loud noises a lot. Um, but they did, they were not living there. So he lives there and he, it is a haunted house because Connecticut is Connecticut. And mm-hmm. he was like, I love this. I rollerblade around the house he's like i i'm it's so cool that it's haunted like i forget the exact quote but it was incredible um that's the type of stuff we're here for obviously he's like a much better coach things are looking up but the thing again the thing i'm clinging to is like oh he's like a kind of weirdo i love yeah like yeah he is like let's just hang on to that like little like that's lose games that's fine tell me more about your like personal habits or like <laughs> living in tell me, do you have any you theories know? about these ghosts jim Moore? i'd like to hear more quote i'm convinced that it's haunted i just warn everyone who stays that it's haunted but they're good ghosts and like and that's that's where we're at that's the important part <laughs> that he's like they're good ghosts they're my friends. Like let, we hang out. There's like doors open and close randomly. There's weird noises all throughout the night that are unexplained, which I'm almost like, have you just never lived in a new England Victorian before? Cause that it might just be that. Mm-hmm. Sure. House. But, sure. but it's like sure. the optimism. And I th- do think that's um, what you need to be. The UConn football's head coach is optimism that the things that are haunting you uh, are like nice. Can be your friends. <laughs> And our good hang. What is your personal low point with UConn football? Uh, so there was like game like five or six years ago where we went to BC and my brother actually went to BC and I think we lost like 30 to nothing. It was around the time that the, the wheels were coming off for Diaco. That, that, was a, that was a tough one to drive home with my brother from. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of them. <laughs> so, and I, I actually said this earlier this season because you know after last year I think people were starting to get excited about the football team again you know we went six and six in the regular season got to a bowl game for the first time in a while Um, and I think people expected us to like come into the season and if not being improved at least performing to that same level right Mm -hmm. um and the season hasn't gone. It didn't start very well, right? And I remember saying at the time um, that the experience of being a UConn football fan is getting kicked in the nuts over and over and over. And every time you think you've been kicked in the nuts for the last time, you get kicked in the nuts again. I mean, that Fiesta Bowl was not fun. <laughs> like, okay. It was really, like, for if you – if college kids drinking – can't find joy in a football game, like doing drinking games and like the most exciting football game your program's ever been part of. Like it was really bad. Um, that <laughs> really bad. Um, so that wasn't fun. Um, the end of the Diaco time was like getting really 
like just like watching a cat limp around like that was not you know we went from like goofy to like oh you're not just tragic yeah this is not gonna yeah. do what you think it's gonna do um so that was a bummer um i'd also include the time i got kicked out for sneaking in a beer that was not sold at the rent that was like a tough <laughs> a tough time not kicked out I, got, I had to move sections i was i was okay. as i was don't talk. About I was hanging out with my mom and her friends, and the, guy, <laughs> and the guy came up, and I was drinking a different beer um, because we planned poorly. Um, sure. So I had to go back to the student section without my beer. I think was the was the punishment on that. Was the compromise? Like, oh, I have to watch more of this football game. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was probably a not not the biggest point, but uh, yeah, I think the I think the Fiesta Bowl because it was such a downer after being so excited but then the the end of the diaco was probably the big the big one dan orlovsky is now you know probably one of the most successful football nerds let's say yep <laughs> um had a very successful high school career committed to yukon over some like more traditionally uh, uh appealing options yep. had a nice had, had a nice run there didn't have the most memorable NFL career other than uh, one of the most infamous safeties of all time. Right. <laughs> and like, what does, what is the connection like at this point? Like, how do UConn fans feel about Dan Orlovsky? Is it like, that's our football nerd up there with his weird food opinions and we love him. Yeah, I would say so. I, funny enough, um, freshman year, I was in a class with Dan. I'm sure he has no memory of me or this at all. But, you know, every morning he would come in and ask me if I had a pencil that he could borrow. So <laughs> we were on speaking terms, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was one of the heroes of UConn football. Right. And, like, truly, because we don't have a ton of them. And you probably have to go back quite a long ways in history to have, like, some guys that, were meaningful on the national level. Um, so the fact that he decided to commit to his home state school and play here was, it was a big deal. And he just along with like Randy Edsel made that transition to uh, division one, a, like a success. Um, we were lucky to have him. And whatever ridiculous things he says about food or whatever else. I actually um, disavow his UConn time based on his absolutely did not know this at the time. Shocked. Shocked this was not known on campus because we knew a lot of stuff about a lot of athletes. Like not, I'm not saying weird stuff, just like weird, like preferences. Like, oh, we know his drink at the bar. Like, just like, oh, because it's a small campus. There's two bars. You see everyone. Like, it's, you know, whatever. And so I am stunned that Dan Orlovsky's food eating habits have not been just so thoroughly documented that they were not on the Yukon message board. Cause like what? Um, so sure. He, uh, went to Yukon. Um, but the more I see pictures of him eating like boiled chicken with like ranch with lettuce wrapped around it or something yes, on like yes. three separate plates, because his white foods can't touch or whatever. Like we just need to like take starts away from him. We need, there need to be like so, NCAA sanctions anyway. Yes. Right now. I think yeah. we probably have the best quarterback we've had since Orlovsky. I think I've been told this. Yeah. I think that's generally where we're at. Um, uh, 
which is exciting. Um, so yeah, all the options in recent memory, Orlovsky's like, <laughs> not that we haven't had other NFL players either, but like he's, again, he's on national television and he's like known more for that than kind of not ever being a football player, but like then his specific football career, then, then specific things he did. Um, and he's like a nice, it helps. He's like a nice amiable guy who's like good at football analysis. And so there is a little bit of like, Oh, Hey, he went there. Like, Oh yeah. Hey, it's, but it's like, it's almost more like, Oh, Hey, he went to UConn. Then right. Oh, Hey, he was our quarterback. Like it's not this, it's not the same thing as like the way people used to talk about Richard Hamilton or something like that. Sure. And I was actually just talking about this the other day. I can't remember. I, I can't remember why it was not the eating habits, um, but it was, but it's not even the same way as like Golic, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like Golic Jr. Like, it's not even like, Oh, they're like Notre Dame men. And like, they talk about Notre Dame and they like wear, like fly that flag on ESPN and right. like part right. of their personality, like, they're sort of the prototype of what a Notre Dame football man should be. Or a football alum from a major program that yep. makes it to Fox yep. or ESPN or CBS. Like, Orlovsky's yeah. kind of fun because it's like, oh, he's so smart and he's like fun. And I actually enjoy watching him on TV. And he also is a UConn person. Isn't that nice? But it's not even like, oh, our quarterback like made it as a quarterback to national television. Because I also don't even think that's like, he doesn't frame it that way. He's like, right. I am a smart person who is doing television analysis not like i was a for he's he's doing the andy roddick where he's like i'm just here to have fun and like hang out and talk about (laughs) what i like and i happened to be a professional player which is like Mm -hmm. a joy and i really like watching him but it is funny in that it's not like oh they hired you because you were uconn's (laughs) it's it's not it's not highly resume big like it's not like listen yeah i played for uconn and the lions i have seen some shit which, if that was the grounds for um, the hire, I would be concerned. Like, I, like, you know, I would. Um, so I think they're smart to be like, no, it's about the other stuff. It's about, you know, but uh, yeah. So, but it's more like, it's like, oh, like an alumni. Like, you know, we don't have a, it, you guys weird because other than the athletes, we don't have a ton of like prominent alumni. Like, I think right. one of the Real Housewives went to a nursing school. Um, I believe <laughs> Moby went for like a year. Um, there's a couple, it's like a weird, like you would expect more. It's a, it's not a super small school. It's like 17,000 people. Like you'd expect some sort of at this point. No, you know, we have like Mark D'Amelio who's like, wants to be a Connecticut Senator who like, (laughs) did he even go there? I think he's just like latching on, which fine, like give money, whatever you're fine. It's fun. Um, but it's just like, you know, influencer parents. So it's kind of weird that we don't have more like just public figure guys. Um, so that that makes Orlovsky fun too, but yeah, it's not it's not quite the same. Yeah, no, we're we're proud of him. And like like the NFL career because like the one like ran out the back of the end zone play, I think it's like derided a bit. But he played for a long time. Yep, clearly is the face of like UConn football, and we have like two. The, the, there have been a, a number of guys in the NFL, some guys who've had like great careers, but in terms of like the football universe, there are two big notable alums. And the other one's Kurt Ferentz. So if, if we're going to pick one, <laughs> we're much happier to take Dan. <laughs> um, I have a question here that is really just for you because you're the one who's prompted me. And there's no like clean way to transition into it. Most of uh, my understanding of UConn football is extremely recent, is really just like, you know, 
end of the 90s, mostly in the 2000s. But when I reached out to you, you told me, I'm going to read this verbatim. I have a story about UConn football going back to the 50s. It's grim. What is your dark story about the ancient days of UConn football? So, like I mentioned, my, my grandfather and my dad are both UConn alums. Um, and my grandfather lived in Connecticut his whole life and, and wound up working with a bunch of guys who went to Yale. Uh, and Yale was at one time, like Connecticut had a football power at one point and it was Yale. Right. And so UConn and Yale played every year from like post-World War II to like, I, I forget when they stopped, but at least through the seventies. And I, and I went and looked this up. Um, they took one year off in there, but they played every other year, usually the first game, always at Yale and Yale one of two things happened. Yale either killed UConn or Yale won by like three. Usually the killing, like over those like three decades, UConn won three games. Um, and my grandfather and my father would always go and they'd be with my grandfather's coworkers. And at one point somebody was like, hey, you know, better luck next year or something like that in like a real sarcastic way. And my grandfather said, you know, the day will come that Yale won't be able to take the field against UConn or won't be able to like step on the field against UConn. Um, and he was totally right about that. Uh, 1998 was the last time we played Yale for a long time. It was uh, right before we moved up to 1A. Uh, Skip Holtz was the coach. UConn beat them by like 45 points, just totally destroyed them. My grandfather's totally right. We don't play Yale after that for for 25 years. In that time, we win the biggies twice. We go to the Fiesta Bowl. Clearly, we're like way ahead of everybody. And then 2021, we're building the independent schedule. Yale's finally back on the menu. We've been playing for the first time in two decades. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll get to test, like, is it still the case Yale can't take the field against UConn? And it looks great. UConn goes out. They're, they're up like 21 nothing. And, and UConn wins the game, but Yale mounts a furious comeback and, like, is picked off in the end zone at the last second where <laughs> Yale would have beaten UConn. So it, it feels like this this long, long arc of total garbage. Finally, at least we can, like, destroy Yale and then 10 years of misery and right back down to the level of <laughs> extremely close game. I mean, at least you're on the other side of the extremely close game, though. Yes, but it's... Uh, when, when you started 21 nothing, I was like, okay, grandpa's looking down. He's He got what he wanted, and then it got a little too close for comfort. <laughs> There's this feeling I can't really shake about conference realignment. It seems like a bunch of the schools and the athletic directors and the presidents and the other non-television power brokers involved don't really feel excited about anything that's happening. Like, I don't think the ACC really wants to have two California teams, and I have a hunch that Washington is not super pumped to be a Big Ten school, but all these decisions feel like they're made out of pressure or fear of falling behind, and so you just kind of take your medicine, and of course all the money that comes with it. And that's why I'm kind of impressed by what UConn did, leaving the AAC to go back to the Big East and build an independent football schedule. Now, look, I'm sure they crunched the numbers, and I'm not going to argue that these were decisions made without any regard to what kind of revenue they could bring in. 
But they also happen to be really fan-centric decisions, and UConn fans, on the whole, really seem happier with the arrangement. What if making your fans happy is better than clawing your way into a power conference and hoping it remains a power conference in five or ten years? Wild stuff, I know. Thank you to Whitney, Brian, and Mr. Escalators for joining me on today's show, and as always to our sponsors at Homefield Apparel. Michael Serber is the super producer who makes this whole thing work, so if you like our show, he gets, I don't know, 80% of the credit. Next week will be the season one finale of We're Not All Like This, and we're going to wrap up by talking to some West Virginia Mountaineers. <laughs>